Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for listening and making commitment to your learning. We hope that you are doing well. I am Yvonne Brandenburg, one of your hosts, joined by the lovely Jordan Porter. Hello. Hello. That was fancy. I <laughs> know, right? I went back to the fancy. Jordan Porter. Fancy, snobby, fancy, snob, snobby, fancy. Classy. Classy. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's what glassy sounds like to you. Thanks, Jordan Porter, for coming today. I feel like I should be like, I don't know, like a cigar with like a top hat and just being like, hello. I know, right? And like you need a (laughs) monocle. Like (laughs) (laughs) that's what I actually am. I am wearing a monocle today, Jordan. Are you? No, not at all. Sorry. Uh, Wearing my glasses. Still, still regular glasses. just, yeah. just cover when I just cover it's a monocle. <laughs> <laughs> so someone help us. <laughs> They're like, oh Lord, it's one of those episodes again. <sighs> hey guys. <laughs> On the plus side, so I was editing the last episode and like you could hear me like just sounding congested and like sniffing and like <sighs> and like Man. I even I even left, like, I left the part in there where, like, I start sounding, like, super congested. And then I was just like, oh, my God, my nose. And then you just start talking. So I was like, I'm just going to leave it in. I was like, people should be, like, you can hear it. Even Matt yesterday was like, what's wrong with your, like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, I'm still, I'm still like, it's all congested. Yeah, it's all, like, right here in the center of my face. And it's trying to move, but, like, mm. it's. Are you also dealing with a ton of allergies right now? Because are is the um, pollen up yet? Because I know the, you've said the pollen can get bad. The pollen was actually really bad like a month or two ago. It was like super oh. early this year where it was like just yellow everything. It's not it's not that bad now. Um turns mm. out my dad got sick too. Like I finally talked to them yesterday. My mom was uh. like my mom was like, I haven't talked to you uh like since we got back from Ohio. And I was like, Yeah, I just needed a break. And like it just kind of like spit out of my mouth (laughs) (laughs) and she's like oh (laughs) yeah she's like what do you mean a break for me I was like no just a break from people in general (laughs) (laughs) you're like no 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 that's not what I meant (laughs) I was like you know I've been sick and she's like yeah dad's sick too and I was like oh okay (laughs) new topic (laughs) so yeah my dad got sick too um so whatever it was like luckily it seemed to like only last about three days for all of us but it was a bit rough for those three days Uh, yeah it's everybody's getting like the colds that we haven't had in the last three years because nobody's been exposed to anything (laughs) so our immune systems like had a break and now they're like oh wait oh it's like when kids go to yeah it's like when kids go to school Mm. or daycare for the first time like that's how I feel yeah yes (laughs) I know my um my doctor that I was working with her son I can't remember what grade he's in. I think he's in kindergarten now or first grade. I I don't even know. I think it's kindergarten. I think he's getting ready to go to first grade, but she's just like, I've had so many colds this year. <laughs> I'm like, welcome to being a parent 
of a young child because <laughs> kids are just like, you know, rubbing their faces. They don't wash their hands. They get the germs everywhere. Ugh. Tib colds, tib colds. Pretty much, pretty much. Um, I definitely don't miss those, by the way. Everybody bringing their kid colds with them to work. Haven't had to deal with that for a while. It's great. Right? <laughs> I, yeah. I, well, it backfired. I got my kids sick this time. They didn't get me sick, so. Oh, well, ha-ha, kids. No, she's <laughs> <laughs> Sucks for you, nerds. <laughs> yeah, exactly what I said. Oh, my God. That's amazing. That's, like, the first morning, Connor was like, I have a sore throat. I was like, ha-ha, payback. <laughs> nice. I'm just kidding, everybody. I promise. So anyway. Um, Anything we, else new and exciting in your world that we need to talk about? I don't have any new animals, so. Good. Nope. It hasn't been that long, so I, I don't know. <laughs> I know, but you never know uh, with me. I um, I do have to say one thing that is kind of exciting, and I don't. I don't, we've kind of talked about it is, um, I don't know if everybody's familiar with vet tech life, but they do the CE on the C and it hasn't been happening for a while. And it sounds like it's going to happen this in January, which honestly it's, it's amazing. (laughs) We'll probably talk about it because Jordan and I are talking about signing up to maybe be speakers because who wouldn't want to go on a cruise and do CE. Um, I was supposed to go to it a couple of years ago, but it got canceled, which <sighs> broke my heart. Cause I was really set on it. Like work was okay with me going to this, which is crazy. But um, yeah, in January, like a cruise ship and continue education. So anyways, if you guys right. don't know about it, you definitely should look into it. It's vet tech life. Um, we're probably going to talk more about it because I really want to be part of this. <laughs> <laughs> like all the other conferences that I'm like, Oh, I'm going to Denver. I'm going to Houston, blah, blah, blah. But Ooh, a cruise ship. <laughs> right. So yeah. yeah. Anyways, that is the cool, fun, exciting thing that will be coming up. The other, speaking of CE, the other CE, um, <laughs> We're getting back into the swing of everything because I think life has settled down enough. I'm not moving anymore. I've figured out the internet. Jordan's not having uh, power issues anymore. I'm not having power issues for now. Um, So we are doing um, our blood transfusion lecture in uh, on Saturday, June 10th. Um, So if you're a member, definitely um, check out uh, that. And we may, I don't know, Jordan, do you, this is a question for you and it's on the fly and we can delete this if we need to, would you be cool opening it up for free to anybody who wants to go since we were slacking for a couple months? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well then don't delete this. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) Okay. So then see, this is what happens just on the fly. We're like, what are we going to do? Let's, um, we'll plan the June 10th, Saturday, June 10th, blood transfusion CE for free for anybody because yep. we're slacking. So we feel guilty and we give away things. That's, that's usually how that goes. 
Which is a good one though, because this is like my favorite lecture to do. So it's a good lecture. It's a good lecture. I like that lecture. I I really yeah. need to make sure that I am able to like enjoy it. Like I gotta see if I can get the kids out of the house and like just like <laughs> oh, just dive into it. Yeah, that'd yeah, be awesome. yeah. <laughs> So if you do, um, if you're in the membership, just go to the membership page. You'll see it. We'll send an email out to everybody too. Um, there's, if you're not a member, um, there's two ways to kind of get the information. One is if you're on our newsletter, you'll get the emails from us talking about how to sign up for it. Or if you go into um, internal medicine for vettex.com slash events. So if you go onto the website, the main website. If you go earn CE with us, if you hit the plus sign, go to events, I'll have it listed there too. So you can click on it. Um, so just go ahead and sign up for the June 10th blood transfusion. It'll be 1130 Pacific time, which is two 30 Eastern time. Um, and then you can get one hour of race approved CE because, um, cause that's how, it's how we roll these days. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's, that's fun, exciting stuff. Um, but yeah, anything else CE wise? I think that's everything for now. Uh, yeah, I think that's it for now. Cool. All right. Well, um, this week, so we are, we're, we're doing our toxicity kind of series. And today, uh, we're talking about rat bait. Um, and doing the notes, I realized we need to break this up. So it's going to be two episodes this week. We're going to talk about kind of rat bait in general, and then, um, specifically go over coagulant, uh, anticoagulants, because that's, that's kind of the big one that everybody talks about and the one that, that we deal with probably the most. And then next week we'll talk about the other ones as well. And just kind of some of the things that go with that. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll dive into it unless there's anything else before we get started. I don't think so. All right, sweet. Here I'm we just going to sit back and relax since you're running the show. I know. It's <laughs> kind of weird. I haven't, I haven't done this in a while. It's been the other way around. I know. Usually the podcast is my jam. You just do everything else, which does make <laughs> me feel like an extreme slacker. But Oh my God. Okay. First of all, you're not a slacker because I do the notes occasionally and I'm like, God, this is time consuming. <laughs> <laughs> and you edit the podcast and put it out. So it, you do plenty of stuff. It's cool. Thanks. <sighs> so Let's talk about some rat bait, rat bait. Whoop, whoop. All right. So rat bait, here we go. Um, so interestingly, the the development of the chemicals for rat bait really can go back to the early 20th century. So, you know, um, the first one that they talked about was zinc phosphide, which was, which was in 1911. Um, so it was pretty early. Um, they also, after the I mean, zinc phosphide or phosphide, they didn't use very, for very long. They've, kind of what happened was this is crazy but in the around the 20s and 30s they started noticing in cows in North America that they were developing this weird 
um, fatal hemorrhagic disease. So they were like out in pastures and just would like bleed to death. And they're like, what is happening? Um, and so this is when they discovered, this is so crazy, but apparently when sweet clover, hay and silage, which I'm not sure what silage is because I don't have cows, <laughs> but apparently when that gets moldy, it creates this like mold that is, um, that creates, I'm going to say it wrong, dicurmerol as a byproduct. Dicurmerol is what was actually killing the cows because it, it creates, it, it, it is an anticoagulant. So then they kind of figured out from this, how to make warfarin in the forties. And so they were like, Oh, which if you don't know, warfarin is like a very common today's like medicine for a blood thinner. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So in the forties and fifties, they, um, used warfarin for a variety of things, um, including rodenticide, rodenticide, warfarin rodenticide kind of became a thing in the fifties. Um, so warfarin and they call it first generation anticoagulants, which are kind of, they're based on warfarin, um, very, very similar. Um, they were really effective for a long time, but then they started noticing in the seventies that some rodent populations became, became kind of resistant to the, the warfarin and some of these other anticoagulants, which to me is crazy. <laughs> it's like antibiotics, right? Like overuse of antibiotics and appropriately probably is what breed breed or leads to the resistance. So now we have rats <laughs> and rodents that are resistant to warfarin, which blows my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, but so what happened is because of the resistance that, that happened to the warfarin and that's first generation anticoagulants, it led to the development of second generation anticoagulants, as well as, um, bromethylene, bromethylene, excuse me, which is a neurotoxin. So you have the second generation anticoagulants, also known as super warfarins, which is hilarious. It's like warfarin and super warfarins, and then the neurotoxin. Um, the, the difference between like the first generation and the second generation anticoagulants, um, the second de generations, um, their LD50, so the lethal dose was about two and a half to 200 times difference compared to first generation, which is kind of crazy. Holy cow. I know. I was like two, two and a half times is like impressive, but 200 times more potent, like that, that's crazy. So, um, so the problem is because of the popularity of anticoagulants plus the greater potency of them. So they're 200 times more potent. What happened is it really narrowed our safety margin, right? So our LD50 and our ED50 became narrower. And so what also happened with that is there was an increased risk to wildlife. Um, so wildlife would either ingest the actual toxin or they ingest prey or carrion, um, or, you know, something else that has the toxin on them becomes in infected and they pass away. 
There was also secondary concerns for human exposure and poisonings, especially young kids, because a lot of the war friends and super war friends, you guys know this is why dogs like to eat it, is it's sweet. It looks like candy. So it's like kids are eating it because kids put everything in their mouth. So anyways, no, became more toxic. <laughs> right? What that else are I don't have kids. What am I talking about? <laughs> I went on that. I went on that sixth grade trip or whatever this past weekend with uh, my daughter and her band class, I guess, or whatever. And like, oh. I watched, I watched some kid. Like, now mind you, I am not like, I'm not a prude. I will eat stuff off the floor. Like, if I drop it in my house, like five second rule, you know, like just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I watched some kid do it at the like the theme park, like right Ooh. when we got there, and I was like, nope. I nope <laughs> <laughs> i mean i guess that's one way to build your immune system speaking of colds that kids bring home just eat shit <laughs> off the amusement floor it's fine it's fine i mean i guess like i pretty much have a farm so it's like what's the difference i guess other than like thousands of people it's the people it's the people ick factor i feel like people the bacteria... sit on the floor and like yeah like i feel like the bacteria around my house like with like i'm at risk of getting parasites but at least i'm <laughs> at risk of getting whatever the hell is at that place that is so true you're like i got all the parasites but i might have hookworms or roundworms but like <laughs> oh my god that's so funny oh, i love it off topic. it's not i mean it's kind of off topic but not it's like you know picking stuff off the ground and eating it because that's what kids do. But yeah. um, so because of the increased toxicity, because of exposure to people and animals and all sorts of stuff, um, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency um, in 2008, which is kind of crazy that it took that long. In 2008, they drafted this this thing, this document, basically to reduce the risk. So it's called risk mitigation decision for 10 rodenticides um and so they drafted it in 2008 and they implemented it in 2011 which is kind of crazy to me because at that point in 2011 i had been working in veterinary medicine for probably six or seven years at that point and i feel like i saw more rodenticide toxicities in my early years as a technician than in oh, my later yeah. years for Absolutely. sure yeah and i wonder if this is part of it probably it's well that and i crazy. think just like the inf- i think we've gotten enough information out there though too yeah about yeah, like yeah you know like just with like google and facebook and you know everybody telling everybody what they shouldn't do so speaking yeah. of rat bait matt went to the store to go get uh just miscellaneous stuff but also some like mouse traps because like we had this mm. naturally there's like the dogs chewed off a piece of siding like a while ago like a long time like near the, when we first moved into the house and then like lately i've been hearing maybe a mouse or something in my wall or i guess it could be a squirrel or something anyway so he went to i was like hey like i, I see now that there's like insulation like under the like the cabinet in the sink i was like we should probably really do something about like the hole to oh, the outside no. <laughs> Like, I, I'm not finding mouse poop. I'm not finding, like, I'm not finding, like, a lot. 
um i just i i worry about it so like he was looking at like traps and stuff like that and like he's 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 a sensitive soul like he is like i don't want to kill anything and like i don't want to like but so some guy like so he's like he did a bunch of research and like he was just looking at the best ways to do it and so he was there like picking up some uh, some traps and things like that and uh some guy like came up and just had to give him his advice about because like, <laughs> that's how that works <laughs> about like rat bait and so he was like you should really get this kind it just kills him like in an instant and he was like well as weird as the sounds i don't really want to kill it he's like also i have a lot of dogs who do like a thousand percent will eat stuff and because yeah. like mind you the dogs are big like they can't really get in but like they do have access to the hole into the house um if they wanted to like they could do they could get in there mm-hmm. um so matt was like no like i can't do that it'll kill my dogs and he's like no i've been using it for years and not, it's never killed one of my dogs and matt was like you're like are you a veterinary professional <laughs> yeah. And, yeah well and it, it it's crazy it's crazy the information that people have and i'm like mm-hmm that's not a thing that's not a thing i don't know um so the the other thing well and this is i remember and honestly it was probably in the early 2010s ish because there because the the stuff i was looking at talked about okay so it was implemented in 2011 but because of just you know manufacturers fighting back and just like getting all the information out it really kind of wasn't accepted for another three years so by 2014 but I think I remember for a while there um we were freaking out because it switched from anticoagulants to the neurotoxins and like some of the other ones and we were like yeah how do we deal with this and I think it's I think it's calmed down a little bit now, but it it's, I don't know. It's, it's kind of crazy actually when I think about it. I don't yeah. Um, so the thing that the, the EPA kind of part of what they talked about was to make sure that the, the active ingredients in these drugs were kind of looked at and that, you know, they, that everybody understands like, what is in the formulations and how to deal with it and stuff like that. So the ones that they talked about was anticoagulant rodenticide first generation. So first generation is warfarin, chlorfacinone, and diphasinone. Um, and then second generation is rodificome. And I'm bro- so happy you did this episode. <laughs> Diphenoco and diphenthylone, <laughs> which is funny because I've definitely seen those words on packaging and been like, I have no idea what that is. So it is kind of nice to be like, oh, it is a rodenticide, like an anticoagulant one. Cause I know bromethylene, like that one, I was like, bromethylene's bad because that's the neurotoxin. But like some of those mm. other ones look so similar to the word bromethylene that I like in clinic, I was like, I don't know what this is, but now seeing it and researching it, I'm like, oh, it's just a really potent anticoagulant. Um, so it's kind of a good idea to know which ones are. 
There's also the vitamin D. Um, so, um, cholecalciferol. Oh my god. You got it. Calciferol. Do I really have it? I don't think I do. Um, there's also some other ones. So there's phosphides, there's some corn cellulose based products and, and they work differently and they're not as lethal for, for dogs and cats, but we'll get into that. Not in this episode. The problem with anticoagulants or just rat bait in general, and I'm sure you guys get this. The problem is, um, manufacturers, um, it's really difficult to be able to identify what the active ingredient is based on the color, shape, formulation, and size, because it's constantly changing and it's, you know, marketing and all that stuff. So just saying, oh, the bright green, like that doesn't guarantee that it's an anticoagulant because some of the other ones can also be the bright green color. So this is one of those things where talking to the owners and getting a really detailed history of, do they know what was put out? Do they know, like, did, did they put it out? Did the, you know, um, pest control people put it out? Is it, they just found it because unfortunately people suck and, you know, sometimes they'll purposely poison animals. Um, if that's the case, you know, what information can they get? So ideally, if the client knows what it is and has the box, ideally, I, t- I told all my clients, bring it with you, bring the box with you. Um, because when we call poison control, we're going to make sure, you know, how to deal with it. So, yeah. um, I don't know. Do you tell your clients the same thing when, when they talk about it? It's yeah. Like, bring, bring the box if you can bring the box or at least a picture or like if you have like the Amazon link to what you ordered or whatever, oh, like yeah. anything, <laughs> any way to get us the product uh, because like they're all, they are treated differently. And then, yeah, same like poison control. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think we mentioned, do we put the link in last we put it two. in the chocolate episode, the phone number and the link for uh, ASPCA poison control, as well as pet poison, poison control, control. Yeah. as well as I believe one more. Yeah. So we'll, we'll try to put it in this one as well, just so that it, everybody has it. Um, but yeah, so the, um, uh, you know, so just make sure that clients aren't like, oh, I think it's this one because they're treated very differently. And so we'll talk about specifically in the anticoagulants in this episode. Um, but you know, we just need to make sure that we know, um, you know, where did they purchase it? What is the target species that we're talking about? Um, what is the formulation of it? Because that can help narrow the list of possible ingredients mm-hmm. um, and making sure that we know what the toxic dose is. Because, you know, if it's like warfarin versus a second generation that is 200 times more lethal, you know, <laughs> that's very different. So um, just like with any of the other toxicities that we talked about, obviously if, if the client sees them eat it or sees the remnants of it, and it's been within a certain amount of time, decontamination is huge. So making them vomit, get it out of them, making sure that we're, you know, absorbing anything that's there and then treatment based on what it is, <laughs> Um, so activated charcoal, subcute fluids, IV fluids, vitamin K, if we need it, 
monitoring blood levels um, of certain, you know, calcium, phosphorus, those kinds of things, depending on what rat bait we're dealing with. So this episode, like I said, we're going to talk about anticoagulants for the most part. We'll talk about treatments and stuff for the others tomorrow. Well, it's tomorrow for us, but it's next week for you guys. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, warfarin and it's related compounds. So first and second generation, right? So the, the crazy thing about these is that if it's ingested, it typically causes internal bleeding within three to five days of ingestion. Um, if it is, if your pet is exposed to an anticoagulant, they should be taken within 60 to 72 hours of ingestion. Um, so try to get them there before they start bleeding. Um, cause they're already starting to have issues, but they're just not bleeding yet. So the anticoagulants, um, prevents your clots from forming. Um, and so this is the most common, um, type of poisoning that, that they'll see. Um, this is from, I can't remember which website I have it listed, but it's either, it's either pet poison or a- ASPCA. I know I kind of went through a couple of them to get this information. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is, is they can be highly toxic with one feeding. So if they grab one block, depending on what it is, right. Or a mouthful of pellets, <laughs> depending on which one you got. Um, and then there's others that do require multiple feedings, um, to get the toxicity. So if you've got like a first generation, so warfarin, oh, there's another name, pindione, um, chlorfen. <laughs> chlorfencinone and diphasinone, um, those are going to be multiple feedings. So first generation needs multiple feedings versus second generation. Um, that is a single feeding can be lethal. So we need to be very careful about that. Um, so when, when we're talking about figuring out toxic dose calculations, um, what, this is what the pet poison control and ASPCA and all that stuff. When you call them, um, what they do is they look at the particular product and they say, okay, what's the lowest reported LD 50. So it's lethal, lethal for 50% of the population. And then they take one tenth of that. So, you know, we, we don't want it to be lethal. <laughs> so they do one tenth of the lethal, lethal dose. Um, and so if it's above that, then it's considered toxic. Um, so we just need to, I mean, honestly, like we usually just treat, <laughs> we're like, mm-hmm. we don't, we don't want you to have clotting problems. So yeah. let's just treat. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather treat than be like, yeah, let's see what happens. <laughs> right. You know how hard it is to chase DIC. Like we all know how hard it is to chase DIC. Yeah. Well, and the problem is, you know, yes, if you see your dog eat that, cause cats are smart. Cats tend to not do this. It's usually dogs. Let's be real. Um, dogs, if you see them eat it, you know, that's, that's way better than not seeing them. And then all of a sudden we're like, why are they bleeding? Because is it like an immune mediated disease? Is it, you know, secondary to something? And, and so the problem is, is if you don't see them eat it, that becomes an issue. Yeah. 
you know, mm-hmm. you know. So um, the way that anticoagulants work is they basically inhibit vitamin K. Um, So the, (laughs) they inhibit the enzyme vitamin K epoxide reductase. (laughs) Oh yeah. 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 uh Okay. (laughs) So basically that particular enzyme 